Starting Points, a Faith on Hill podcast. This podcast goes through the whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, and covers all of the major sections of the Bible. It's designed to be a starting or a restarting point for anyone and everyone who wants to study, know, and understand the Bible, which we believe to be God's Word. Today we're going to be looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. We're in the poetic section of the Bible. The Bible isn't just one book. It's a collection of uh, 66 books that were written by over 40 authors over a 1,500-year period. Uh, So that means that no two books of the Bible will be exactly the like. They'll cover different topics. They'll be written by different people who were living in different places and, and different eras. Some of the Bible was written thousand years apart from another part of the Bible. Some of the Bible was written by somebody who lived in royalty. Another part of the Bible might have been written by somebody who lived in obscurity. There are prophets in the Bible that we're not told much about. They were fairly anonymous to history. Uh, Maybe they were farmers, shepherds, average everyday people, and then God said, I'm going to use you. While other parts of the Bible were written by people of note and renowned in their own day who have maintained notability throughout the centuries. The book of Ecclesiastes is an author of mystery. Now, just because the author is mysterious does not mean that we trust it any less. Part of how we got the Bible, both Old and New Testament, is we accept the canon, the revelation of Scripture that was accepted by those who came before us. The rabbis and the scholars, the scribes and the priests gave us the canon of the Hebrew Scripture. Jesus acknowledged it, spoke from it, quoted it, taught from it in synagogues. And so it is that canon that the church accepted. The canon of the New Testament scriptures is the writings of the apostles that were accepted widely by the early church. So just because we don't know exactly who an author was doesn't mean that it wasn't a writing that was accepted as the word of God. In the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, the the writer is anonymous, and there's debate and disagreement about who wrote that book. Ecclesiastes is sort of the same. The writer is anonymous. In Hebrew, the book is called Koheleth, which means preacher. And Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 1 says that it was written by the preacher, the Koheleth. The term suggests somebody who's speaking to the assembly. It's kind of what I do on a Sunday morning. Uh, The translators of the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament that Jesus and the apostles would have been well familiar with, translated it into the word ecclesiastes, uh, which is where we get our word ecclesiastes. Um, And actually the word church, the ecclesia, uh, comes from that, the assembly. The author uh, was Jewish, and both Jewish tradition and early Christian tradition attribute the book to Solomon. I tend to think it was Solomon, but the author just only identifies himself in chapter 1 as the son of David, king in Jerusalem. 
uh, refers to himself as the preacher multiple times, Ecclesiastes 1, uh, several times, Ecclesiastes 7, and Ecclesiastes 12, several times, refers to himself as the preacher. There's also internal evidence that points to it being Solomon. Um, his wisdom, his building activities, his wealth, his activities, what he says he did after writing the book. Um, you can see like uh, his wisdom, Ecclesiastes 1.16, cross-reference to 1 Kings 3.12. Building activities, Ecclesiastes 2, cross-reference to 1 Kings 7. Uh, wealth, Ecclesiastes 2, cross-reference to 2 Chronicles 9. And his activities after writing the book, Ecclesiastes 12, cross-referenced to 1 Kings 4. Uh, the book is sort of divided up into four parts. Well, five if you count the introduction, which is like two verses. But there's sort of an introduction, and then the preacher has his search for meaning in life, and that goes uh, roughly from chapter one through chapter two. And then the preacher makes observations from life, chapter three through the middle of chapter six, end of chapter six. Uh, the preacher gives counsel for life, chapter 7 through chapter 12. And at the end of chapter 12, there is sort of an epilogue conclusion. Now, one of the questions that we always ask on this story, because all that's interesting, if you're, if you're taking an academic class, if you're sitting in a college class about biblical literature, that might be interesting to know. But what about us? What's the human story? Well, the preacher asks the question that I believe many, if not all people, have asked at some point in their lives, even if it's only been to themselves, even if it has only been to the places in the secret places and the thoughts of our hearts at night uh, when we're just lying there, um, you know, maybe we're driving somewhere and we've just asked this question. Incidentally, and something I'm very aware of as somebody who is a frequent listener of podcast and music and has, you know, ample use of my headphones. Do I give myself that kind of quiet place? Do I give myself a place where I can speak to myself and listen to myself? And not just myself, but to hear God speak to me in the quiet, in the stillness. There are times when I'm driving by myself where I'll just shut everything off and just be. There are times when uh, I'm falling asleep at night and I have to turn everything off and just be. Quite honestly, in our culture, I, I tend to think the only place left where we allow ourselves that kind of uh, silence is the shower. And that's why you'll, somebody will come to you and say, hey, I was, I was in the shower this morning and it just out of nowhere, it hit me. Because our brains process things if we just allow them to. But we fill our brains and our lives with so much noise and background so we, we can't focus on anything else and we can just keep going and going and I never have to think about anything. I never have to ask the hard questions. I never have to go, wait a minute, what's this all about? And the preacher asked this question, what does it profit a person from all their labor in which they toil under the sun? You work, you get up, you do it again the next day, you work and you work and work. And what is the point of all this? And I believe every person has asked that question at least once, probably more than once, probably frequently, even if just to themselves. Now, the human story is asking this question. We asked the question on this podcast, what are the landmines? What are the controversial points? And some books are more controversial than others. Some books have more disagreement or debate than others. But when you ask a question like, what's the point of all this? That in itself creates a landmine because it unsettles those who are comfortable with the status quo. 
it unsettles those who would prefer not to hear that question ever be asked, lest they have to try to answer it themselves. Whenever you ask a question like that, it's going to confront harsh realities. If you're the type of person that says things like, oh, I'm too blessed to be stressed. And then you read the Ecclesiastes. Hmm. That makes it tricky. The sort of only positive, good vibes only. And we, we generally like that. We say that in our house. Oh, good vibes only, you know. Uh, there's no point in being needlessly negative or harsh. But if all you're about is positivity to the point where it becomes fantasy and fiction, the book of Ecclesiastes challenges that idea. If you think materialism, if you think position, if you think power, if you think achievement will satisfy you, the book of Ecclesiastes challenges that. If you like the fantasy fiction of some safe, controlled environment, and many people do, the book of Ecclesiastes challenges that. Now, the book is kind of incomplete on its own. The preacher asks questions. He doesn't always answer them. That makes people uncomfortable. The book needs to be read in the light of all Scripture, which is, by the way, how all Scripture should be read. People approach books of the Bible as if they're in a vacuum and not this collection of books that, that are working together. I'll, I'll see people say, well, it says in this part of the Bible that we should do this. Yes, and then Jesus commented on it and explained how that looked in real life. So if I were to read that part of the Bible and ignore where Jesus taught on it, it would be incomplete. We said on the last episode about the Proverbs, if we read the Proverbs apart from knowing Jesus, if we read the Proverbs apart from the Holy Spirit in our lives, then it is uselessness to us to have all that wisdom. We can't know God apart from Jesus. And the same with the Ecclesiastes. We can't read this apart from the rest of Scripture. Ecclesiastes is asking a question. The rest of Scripture is answering it. And that's the question of where is Jesus seen? That's the final question we always ask on this podcast. Where is Jesus seen? The answer to the preacher's question is Jesus. Jesus doesn't have the answer. He is the answer to the preacher's question. In both Hebrews chapter 11 and Ephesians chapter 3, the apostles declare this to us. The prophets of old saw glimpses of what we know in full. In Ephesians 3, we're told that the kingdom of heaven, the gospel, the good news of Jesus was mysterious to them. They had glimpses. They had ideas. But they didn't know in full. And whether Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon or someone else, the preacher asks these questions. The answer is Jesus. And you might say, well, how is that fair? That someone asks a question hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus is born and God didn't give them the answer. There are times in my life where I have prayed. I've asked God, can you answer this for me? And almost instantaneously, the answer has been given. I was a freshman in high school. And uh, I lived very close to our high school my freshman year. So I could walk. It's the only time that was ever the case. Um, my senior year, we also lived close. But it was like down this major hill. And I, was, I never walked. It was, 
I was, I was like, no, I'm just going to drive. Um, but, but I was a freshman in high school and I lived very close to the school. And these upper class boys had a Bible study every Wednesday morning. It was early. Um, but I played sports with them. And so I started just showing up. I'd walk and I would show up. They all had cars. That's why they got there so early. They drove in, got there early, had this Bible study. I walked and I hung out with them. And I remember as we were reading the Bible together, we had a question and, and we couldn't, nobody even had, we didn't have a clue. We were reading the Bible. We were trying to understand it. We had a question. And so one of the guys just said, Hey guys, let's just pray about it. And so we prayed these six or so, you know, teenage boys trying to understand the Bible. And we just prayed, God, we don't understand what this is saying here. Could you help us to understand it? Amen. And we moved on. That night I went to church and the person preaching talked about that very passage. And the question we asked, they said, you know, some people ask this question and it was the question we had prayed about that morning. And he said, here's the answer to that. It's like, oh, wow, that doesn't happen often, but that happens. Sometimes the question comes later. I remember uh, in my late teens, early 20s, I was praying about something and I prayed and I asked God to give me this answer. And I said, Lord, you've done this before where I've, I've, I'm just going to trust you. And so I prayed and it was about a year later and I was reading a part of the Bible I hadn't read in a long time. And the answer was right there. And I just stopped where I was and I remembered the prayer I had prayed and I said, Lord, thank you that you have answered my prayer. But it was a couple years later, a year or two later. Some things have still never been answered. Things that I've asked God to explain, to help me to understand, to help me come with peace with, and it's still not there. But the answer is Jesus. So the preacher asks questions and the answer is mysterious to those who were waiting for the Messiah, but for those of us who have come after Jesus has come, we know in full that the answer is Jesus. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 11, the preacher ends his writings with this, the words of the wides are like goads, as nails fastened to the masters of assemblies, which are given to one shepherd. What he's saying is he's making a, a, a goad, he, he's using an agricultural term that would have been common to everyone up until maybe 100, 200 years ago. But there were these goads, they would poke and prod at the sheep and the livestock to get them to move where they needed to move. We still sometimes use that word, oh, he goaded him into it. The idea of being poked into it. What the preacher is saying is that the book of Ecclesiastes is speaking questions. It's trying to provoke thought. So as we read through it, we understand it's not giving us answers as much as it is looking at the situation of the world around us and is provoking questions. And we know that the answers to those questions in the big picture are found in Jesus. And where we don't see clearly how that all works out, sometimes we pray and ask and the Holy Spirit reveals to us. Sometimes we pray and we seek and God says, peace, be still and know that I am God. Whichever way you slice it, the book of Ecclesiastes, observing life and what's going on and the pain and the trouble and the suffering and the misery, and the preacher says over and over again, it's all in vain. It all is meaningless. That is 100% true if 
you are apart from Jesus. I don't know how somebody tries to be a religious person, a spiritual person on their own strength. I've never found that to work well. There are people who seek to understand the Bible or deep truths of spiritual things, but they're still blinded by their own sin because they have not surrendered themselves to Jesus. Friends, I just remind all of us, this world can have wonderful things in it, but apart from Christ, it is dying, it is failing, but he brings new life, new hope, and a renewal of all things for those who would believe, and everyone is welcome to believe. I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of the Starting Points Podcast. If you search Faith on Hill on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you'll find all of our podcasts, including this one. Just ask that you subscribe. You can also watch video versions on our Facebook or YouTube. And there we appreciate a like, a subscribe, a share, all that kind of standard social media stuff. And we'd love to see you on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. as we gather on Hill Road, both online and in person, to worship Jesus, to study the Bible, and to live as the people of God together. God bless you. We'll see you for another episode of Starting Points.